Well, good afternoon, and this is Q&A with Samuel Chisichetti and Alita Robinson from Ark Church, and it's lovely every time we do that nice clapping to start. It sort of gets us going, doesn't it, Samuel? It is. Uh, actually, honestly, I do love that uh, the clapping. It's cheery. It's sort of, you know, it lightens your spirit. Uh, before we get into the nitty-gritty of uh, the challenging questions we look at often. So it is a fantastic intro, and it's great to be with you again uh, this particular afternoon. Yeah, well, we've got some interesting things to talk about today. As you are aware, um, we are in election mode. And, uh, and so for the next six weeks, we're a bit un inundated with uh, political messaging and all sorts of fun things. So we, the, the question today is, how interested and how involved should we as Christians be in the political process? And, uh, and what do you think um, the Bible teaches us about our obligations when we're looking at things in the public square? Yeah, uh, very interesting. You know, you you ask uh, a, a question to you know a churchman, uh, if you will, a preacher, uh, a shepherd, a pastor about about politics, and and you know the the answer to that question is not really uniform, at least as far as today's church response is, um, you know, people are a lot more comfortable with, uh, you know, talking matter of belief, faith and theology. And um, so once you start to ask the question related to politics, you get varied answers. Those who go, well, uh, well it's, it's a bit of a topic, I don't want to get into that. But uh, but I think, um, you know, my, my answer would be, as you know, was I, I, I turn to layer things out you know everything rises and falls on definitions if you can define mm. things then you know what you're dealing with yeah in reality uh before we talk about you know christians involvement at which level how and, and so on and so forth let's define politics first uh, what, what's politics now there's this sort of general cultural definition of politics which is you know it's like some dirty game or you know there is also politicians yelling at each other that kind of stuff that what we see on tv or we see during their q a in parliament and that kind of stuff or you know some of the scandals scandals you hear here and there and there involving politicians but if you put all that aside and just look dictionarily from a dictionary point of view, uh, there is a number of definitions I would like to provide here. Uh, politics is the activities associated with the governance of a country or area, especially the debate between parties having power, or if you will, debate of ideas. That's what politics is. Right. Uh, the, you know, the other, um, you know, the definition is the activities of governments concerning the political relations between states. Uh, you know, uh, that's that's another thing. And the other thing is it's the academic study of government and the state. Even if we stopped just there, you can see that this is a matter of governance. Politic is governance. Just mm. flat out, if you detach any emotions from it, uh, politics is the art of governing. You know, the etymolo etymology of the word comes from the Greek word polis, which means city, polities, which means citizen, and politikos, which therefore means the art of governing people within a particular sphere, a particular city, or a state. So the art of organizing people, you know, 
production unit, citizens are organizing the laws and the rules so that everybody can live together, you know, within a particular domain. That's what politics is. Right. Yeah. And it's interesting, isn't it? Because uh, there's that old saying, uh, never discuss politics or religion because people are polarised when it comes to both subjects and uh, you can get into a lot of nasty debates about, about yeah. both things. But we do, um, well, as people in general, we have a responsibility uh, to be informed about what we what we're going to be doing um, yep. as we elect leaders that are going to make new laws. And I think the, yep. the interesting thing for me over the last you know decade or so, probably even a bit longer than that, yep. is the way that our Judeo-Christian uh, laws, the, the Ten Commandments that most things were based on to start with, have slowly but surely been chopped away and we're now living in a very different world that is very anti-Christian in its stance uh, with the laws that have been made and, uh, and certainly don't really factor in what God wants um, yeah. when they're making laws. It's all about me and I and what is best for me and what yeah. I deserve. And I, yeah. it's become very self-centred, hasn't it? Become very focused on yeah. self and, and not really yeah. that servant heart that comes through um when when we talk about what god wants us to do yeah you you've actually touched on a nerve uh or something that i, I want to sort of roll back and and, and def define it so you so you can see uh you know from which angle there you you're coming from um think about it this way that uh, somebody said said once i can't remember who who said this i'll quote at least uh, that if you don't get involved in, with politics, politics will be involved with you. Uh, why? Because we all live in a particular entity in an area. We live in Australia. Uh, it's a federation of states. Uh, so it's, it's a grouping of people on a piece of land. And the grouping of the people on the piece of land requires some level of organized structures to be able to govern uh, people, why? Because if you don't have, have a governing uh, principles, a way of of organizing people on a particular piece of land, what you will have is chaos. Yeah. You know, everybody will do just whatever they want, and so it will be unlivable, whether you like it or not. Whenever you put two people in a particular area, even if it's in the house they live together, they have to have a way of organizing themselves to govern their interaction within that particular domain. So that. In a flat out and emotional term, that's politics. So, uh, in that sense, when you then have people in a hidden domain, they have to agree on a number of things, okay? Number of things that will be the grounding principles upon which governance is made. Now, number one, uh, some may start with allocation of resources. What have we got? Now, you call it economics allocation of resources uh, we have these resources and so how do we allocate it and you can choose a number of systems um, to be able to allocate your resources you can be you know you know you're communistic or capitalistic uh, in other words you know everybody just have a piece of their own resources uh, and based on the you know the initial allocation and then 
people trade between each other and you have to set up the rules that govern that trade to avoid that you know anyone doesn't end up too powerful to start to try to sort of then start take advantage of the others but what you're doing there is you are organizing the laws or the rules the politics of commerce right yeah so that's yeah. what you do and to do uh, organize the politic of commerce you have to start with a certain set of moral assumptions that there is something called something that is just something that is fair and something you know the way things should be uh so that you can make sure that everybody is treated at least fairly and in a just manner so you can start with just allocation of resources but it's going to be called political economy so what you know how do you you know set the law and the rules that that govern the economics so that's one thing the other thing uh you can see that and the underlying principle there is morality that govern the principles or the laws that then govern the economics so economics don't govern themselves you need to start with morality are you get what i'm saying yeah i am so yeah. you have to start with a moral principle as an assumption i'm going to just keep that keep that thought and i'm going to add something more so or um you may be governing the laws of circulation you know like traffic rules you know how do people you know travel so that it's fair you know for everybody to get to their destination now you need to set the rules and those rules will also be undergirded by moral the moral principle you get what i'm saying yeah whatever you do to be able to govern people you have you will see what the the, the politician everybody will be making their case underneath without even saying it they think that whatever they're proposing is right is fair and yeah. so on and so forth so because without the undergirding moral principle there will be no good governance there okay the place will just simply be ending up being a bit of a big massive mess and so in that sense what i'm saying is at the bottom of every governing structure there is an assumed moral yeah yes and you cannot assume moral or moral law without assuming without you know uh, setting up um where does this moral law come from right yes, yes. so it's a question of ontology where does the moral principle upon which we are governing come from and so that's where you get the two uh things that are going to be fundamental i think uh as we start to discuss this we will start to talk discuss about how christians are going to go about this remember at the bottom of every governing structure there is the principle of justice morality what is right what is fair and then you have to ask the question who sets the moral principle that then end up governing our laws which is where you were talking about and i think that's something to explore deeper i don't want to start half sentence and then and then, so that's something we need to explore a bit deeper there yeah well we'll take a little bit of a break just while people are catching their breath and getting themselves organized to uh, be comfortable in this conversation and uh, we'll be back after this uh, great song on life fm okay. you're listening to <laughs> you're listening to 105 Point one life FM Bendigo's positive choice and we are discussing politics today. Oh, we're we're discussing well, we were discussing before the break um, how morals are set, uh, which is sort of the underpinning of how everything sort of or it becomes orderly within a, a community or within a group of people. So you are going to expand on that a little further, Samuel. 
Yes. Um, I was actually, as we took the break, I was reminded of this quote by, um, by um, Aristotle, who said that the laws must be built on a necessary foundation of morality. You mm. see? The laws that go govern an entity. Okay, when you come to this intersection, you know, these guys need to go first, then you go to second. Uh, it's built on the, the idea of safety. Oh, why? Why? Because you think it is better and it's right for human lives to be preserved because that is the right thing. Why is it the right thing? Because human, human lives have got worth and value. So it's not like, okay, the person who's coming, it's, it's not governed by how in a hurry am I, uh, because anybody else could be in a hurry. To be able to create order, you have to have a society that agrees on the moral principles. To say it is right to make sure that you don't interrupt uh, the life of another human being unjustifiably, uh, because you may say, uh, because you don't want yours to be, yours to be, uh, to be interrupted. Uh, that once somebody said that they're starting to look at grounding the principle that it is not okay to take a life of another human being or endangered life of a human being. And you ask them why? Oh, well, because you wouldn't like yours being taken. So that becomes a, a justification. I'm going to get to that in a moment. Yeah. Whether it is well, the laws of commerce and so on and so forth, you need to set a moral principle upon which the laws are built. That's why Aristotle said the laws must be built on a necessary foundation of morality. It is on that basis that the laws of our politics can then be judged sometimes if they are found wanting or they're found to be unjust, then they can be changed. You see what I mean? For example, um, let's say we know societies when there were laws that were unjust, like segregation laws, or slavery laws, you know, the people who were moral reformers had to assume a mor moral structure that was higher than the laws themselves to argue from it, to say, hey, look, these laws are not moral. These laws are unfair. They're unjust. Therefore, they need to be changed. So morality precedes our legislations, and our legislations is what govern our politics. You know, the laws on election, the laws on, you know, we've got laws on all, all sorts of things, the way we all, all regulate and organize. Now, now the question is, where does this moral principle, what is the foundation for this morality? Where does moral come from? There has been over the years a number of, uh, you know, suggestions. Some may say, well, self-interest, right? For example, you know, when the person said, hey, you don't want to, you know, endanger somebody else's life because you don't want yours to be endangered. So in other words, you're doing it for self-interest. But what if I didn't care? What if I didn't care about self-interest? Um, you know, it becomes a relative matter. Some people might care about their own life, some don't. Now, we can't govern society based on such a fleeting principle as self-interest. Because if it was self-interest, well, the person who becomes the most powerful may want to look after their own interests far better than anybody else. We end up with dictatorship or places where it's the law of the jungle, right? Yeah, but I mean... The lion the looks way, after his own interests. Yeah, but the way that uh, society does that now is that there's a consequence for breaking the law. So yeah. you have to then have that next level, which is a policing of the rules and regulations that you make um, yeah. and those moral stands that you take and uh, and there has to be a consequence for 
not doing what yeah. uh, what everybody else is supposedly doing. So yeah. Um, now you notice that the reason why you're policing is because you're trying to say to everybody that the moral principle doesn't depend on what you want or what you think. It's above you. Because otherwise, if it just depended on each individual, whatever they want, yeah. then what is the point of policing? The person can get up tomorrow and say, well, you know, I have a different predisposition today. Then I'm going to do just whatever I want. I'm trying to say, if you grind, you ground morality in individuals, you won't have a functional, functioning society. No, that's right. No. That's right. So some have said, well, you can ground it into the belief of the society in general, okay? So that belief can change. That's where we are right now. You know, the belief of the, you know, the, 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 the society in general. In other words, if the majority believe this is right, then that's right. Now, I know that is not actually correct. I mean, you've asked this question about politics to a philosopher and a theologian, so I'm going to just approach it from that particular angle. We know that the majority could be wrong. The people who believed in segregation, the people who believed in apartheid in, 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 uh, in um, South Africa, they were majority. I mean, think of the slavery in America. You know, they were majority, but the majority was still wrong. So you can't ground morality by the majority of the society because you won't get everybody agreeing solidly. So therefore, the majority principle to grind mor ground morality doesn't work. No. What's next? Um, but you may say, well, um, maybe we evolved uh, to come to, you know, uh, to this point, well, I don't think that will be, you know, strong enough. You know, if it was evolution, which means it's evolution is amoral. In other words, it's a principle of surviving by whosoever survives. And so therefore, you know, I don't see any evolutionary mechanism. There's not been any evolutionary, uh, you know, ethicist or, or, you know, people who, who are, who are looking at evolution and morality have been able to say at which point of the evolutionary mechanism human beings would then turn moral when our next cousin, if you will, the bonobos, I've got, we've got them here in the Congo, uh, or the chimpanzees don't have such morality because it's just simply the strongest days. There's, there's some level of co cooperation that happens. But at the end of the day, it's the most powerful who wins. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. So we left with something that is where the Christian sits, but that our society now has walked away from, which is what you were mentioning when you made your comment. Western societies were built on one guiding principle, which was that morality is not set by human beings. Morality is set by God. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. The, the social morality, you cannot have law unless there is a law giver. You know, my one of my heroes, Ravi Zacharias, used to, used to say. So you can't assume a moral law unless there is a moral law giver. And so in that sense, uh, morality was better assumed by, you know, depositing the idea of God. This is what made the Judeo-Christian world different from all the other worlds before it. I was, I was reading, I read you a quote by a, a, a historian, is uh, an author and is one of the most respected uh, uh, historian of our days. His name is Tom Holland. 
He said while studying the ancient world, or he right, he realizes something. Simply, the ancient were cruel. Their values utterly foreign to him. The Spartan routinely murdered imperfect children. The bodies of slaves were treated like outlets for the physical pleasure of those with power. Infanticide was common. The poor and the weak had no rights. How did we get from there to here? It was Christianity, Holland writes. Christianity revolutionized sex and marriage and demanding that men control themselves and prohibiting all forms of rape. Christianity confined sexuality within monogamy. It is ironic, Holland writes, that uh, these are now the very standard for which Christianity is derided. Christianity elevated women. In short, Christianity utterly transformed the world. Why yeah, they, they pull that quote? as speaking to Christians because they need to hear this, is to say that the world we have, the Australia we enjoy today, uh, is there because of the Christian theology and Christian philosophy. You need to have your philosophy, the study of God, and then the philosophy is your thinking and your reflecting on that which you have studied theologically so that you can then apply it with your everyday living. That's how we've ended up with political philosophy. You know, I, I did political philosophy at university. Political philosophy is a way to think about your governing uh, principles. So, uh, you know, I've gone around a long way to make the point that you are making, Alida, because if I made it just straight up, people can just simply deny the fact that the Judeo-Christian worldview is what made Australia what it is. So, in other words, Christians, it is your thinking and your belief that made Australia. Let me repeat that again. You can't say, oh, we can't get involved in the politics. I'm, think- I'm saying it is the Christian thinking and it's a Christian belief that made Australia and the West in general. When you pull yourself out of that process, if your thinking no longer influence Australia, what will influence Australia will be either secularism or paganism. And if that's the society you want to live in, you want to be governed, then pull away so your thinking and your belief that shape the society will be just outstripped and outmoved slowly, slowly, slowly until you become irrelevant and you'll be governed by a set of moral principles that doesn't look anything like your belief or your way of thinking. Mm. Yes, and that's exactly uh, where we are now. Uh, you know, the, the way that um, that marriage has been undermined, the way that, the way that um, biology has been undermined, you know, male and female, and the way that um, children are, are not considered human until they're outside of the womb, and even then you can kill them uh, just yeah. because they are unwanted by the person who, who gave birth to them. It's it's. Yeah. It is. It's it, absolutely it's, it's be, sickening. It's beyond abhorrent. I mean, I, I'm, yeah. I'm, yeah, that's, yeah. it's shock. The idea that a human being uh, now can't be conferred the inherent value that God conferred them from the moment of conception, that we, we can now decide only when they you know, come out of the birth canal, now they are human, is just itself abhorrent beyond measure. Yes, it is. All right, that is a bit of a negative <laughs> note to finish this particular segment on, but uh, we'll we'll come back and talk about uh, some things a little bit more positive uh, after this break.
You're listening to 105.1 Life FM and we are talking politics today. And Samuel, um, you didn't particularly think I ended that segment well. <laughs> I, I, you know, just because just I, was, I was wondering, like my, my thinking mind tends to sort of more, more love of things for a bit. And I'm like, why, you, you said, well, that's negative way to finish the segment. And I'm wondering why is that negative? If, if, if you're going to stand on a moral principle, mm. you know, any, any, you know, deviation from that moral, moral principle must create within the one who stand on that moral principle, a set, a certain level of revolt, a certain level. That's not right. Think about it. You're walking down the street and you saw a grown man basically, you know, molesting a, a, a child. Are you going to say, saying to them, stop, that's not right. You can say, stop being negative. What, what would you, what are you going to say? Yeah, yeah, no, that wasn't quite what I was meaning, as you would know. But uh, yeah. yeah, it's just, I, I think abortion is one of the most abhorrent things. That, um, it is. That, and uh, saying it that is. That you can think about. And, and so that, yeah. in a sense, makes you feel a little bit yuck and so that was the, okay. the negative on yeah, okay. it wasn't in that sense because i was thinking <laughs> i was thinking if you stand on a moral principle and you yeah. want to call yeah. people who are deviating from that which is strongly believe that is moral principle uh, and and you, you you will have you know you will you will be respectful but you will say to them that is absolutely wrong and you know this is how christians have been caught within this especially the cultural war the people who wanted to shift the culture and redefine things like marriage and redefine biology and gender and stuff like that you should hear what they say of the people who hold a different point of view i mean those who are in power you know they have you know they have actually for them it's quite bizarre you know we may i may talk about moral principles without you know calling people names but they actually do you yes, know, I, I have like been I've like been called bigot and backward. Yep. You know, just to your face. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not saying that. Look, what you believe is wrong, and we want you to change your belief. No, they're saying you are a wrong. You are an evil person for believing it. Well, and the you thing see? that yeah, and the thing that um, that always distresses you is when things come out. Um, you know, still staying with the children. Uh, that now they're they're talking about the possibility of being able to abort excuse me, yeah. a child up to the age of two. Now, I yeah. have a 16-month-old grandson and that child is, is not a non-person. You yeah. know, he's learning how to speak, he's walking, he's interacting, yeah. he's loving, he's, he's laughing, he's beautiful. And, and to think that someone could say, oh, I, want to, I want to get rid of this child and, yeah. and, that's, and it's going to be called an abortion, yeah. I mean, no, no, it blows, that's, that's it blows your mind. That's and, and there That's are people in no, but there are people abortion in government. Is anyway. Exactly, but there are people in government that are making laws around yeah. all of this sort of stuff yeah. uh, that is going to allow or that is allowing this stuff to happen, yeah. and is just yeah. redefining God's law and saying, well, there, yeah. you know, God's law doesn't matter. Uh, yeah. We don't care who you are, uh, but yeah. this yeah. is what we're going to do. So if I don't want yeah. you. Um, and you're a, you're a menace, and you're a little bit of a pest, and you're under two yeah. years old. Well, I can just yeah. I can just get rid of you. Exactly. Think about <laughs> it's it. Just like, amazing. Before, yeah. <clears throat> before anybody, um, <clears throat> pardon me. Before anybody sort of think, oh, well, that's outrageous. Nobody's proposing something like that, like what Alida just said. Uh, you know, most of our you know laws, the influence of our academia 
is what turns up then into the hall of our parliament, right? Mm. So it's the academia. Now, there is the famous, uh, you know, Peter Singer, um, uh, you know, the, the famous Australian, you know, philosopher who makes that case that children could be terminated up to two years after they've been, unless I'm mistaken, I'm sure I've heard that being being debated on, you know, from from at least Peter Singer, who says that yeah, up to two years, it's all right. You know, the the parents can still decide whether you know to keep the child or not. So, things like you know infanticide or things like abortion up till birth used to be absolutely way abhorrent and acceptable but slowly slowly the pendulum has been shifting now we, you see we've, we've now because i want because we started talking about politics and you know somebody might work about you start talking about politics why are you talking about these things well because politics govern everything it governs the determination of human worth yeah Right. For example, you will get, let's say, from the American uh, Constitution, as an example, that we believe this truth to be self-evident and all men are created equal. If you start with that as your starting point, then you understand that the equality is an inherent value that is conferred to humans by the creator, not by the government, not by the parents of the child, but equality and the inherent worth of human beings. So that's where your theology and your philosophy starts from. You can't honor human beings. You can't say, okay, well, we're going to sort of, you know, fight for women's right. Or we're going to start for, you know, this minority right. And without assuming that those rights somehow must be inherent and the rights are not just simply conferred to them by some majority. Because if it was the majority that confers the right, then minorities couldn't have any right whatsoever. So the right must come from somewhere else. And that's where the Judeo-Christian worldview posited that God is the ground for all these fundamental rights. So the right to life, right to freedom of conscience, right to freedom of speech, uh, right to self-determination, right to you know, freedom of belief. And these autonomy. things, autonomy, and, yep. and these are fundamental rights, which we've seen over the last few years, uh, very, very eroded. Um, I'd say in the last two years, since 2020, we've seen drastic things that we couldn't have ever thought possible within our Western democratic system context. Mm -hmm. So with that, I'm saying that if you look back, let's say, you know, to uh, you know the early 1900, you know, all the way for the last two, uh, you know, uh, centuries, if you will, the development of Western democracy. Let's say if you go back as 1800, if you want, um, the development of Western democracy, the establishment of countries like Australia, uh, you know, our beloved country, uh, the establishment of countries like you know Great Britain or America, and so on and so forth. It is. France, uh, you know, all these countries were built on the Judeo-Christian worldview. That's why they aff they affirmed all these rights. Yes. Now, yes. And so if the Judeo worldview, Christian worldview, is what is influencing the governing people, those who are governing, if they are influenced by Judeo-Christian worldview, then their governing will be influenced by that Judeo-Christian worldview. What has happened over time is that Christians have pulled out of the being, first of all, the best, who are running to be able to be in a position to govern our society. What happened, unfortunately, the church started teaching that now Christians stay away from politics. And so people who had all the worldview 
than the Christian Judeo-Christian worldview ending, ended up being the decision makers, the law makers, and so on and so forth. And guess what? Everybody who goes into politics will legislate from the moral standpoint. Yes. Wherever that source of morality is. Mm. If it's a secularist, he will have secular humanist, he will have to draw his moral from secular humanism. And what is secular humanism? Secular humanism starts with me. Yes. Right? Yeah. It starts with yeah. me. The man is the center, is the ground for morality, and try then to ground that morality, the me, in maybe empathy, which is what is empathy? You know, empathy means, you know, feel the other person's pain. Yeah, but it depends whether there is competing needs. You know, the people who are changing laws and sometimes ending up, you know, I'll give you an example. You know, the, the these people who are talking about being empathetic, you know, the, the, the cake maker in, let's say, Scotland, who got taken to court, uh, or the wedding maker in, uh, in, um, in the US who got taken to court, lost their business, lost everything. The people who are dragging them in the court, did they have any empathy at all? No, they thought that empathy must be subject to the high morality. You see, they thought they were doing something moral to teach these bigots how to not have such immorality. Therefore, you can't be empathetic with them. So I'm trying to say empathy is not a solid grounding principle. It's morality that is the strong grounding principle. And these secular humanists start with the idea that whatever they think about what should be is what therefore should be. So it is not God who determines. It is those who are in power at least from the secular humanist point of view, who then end up determine what should be moral. Mm. So we've ended up with all sorts of campaign. Look at what has happened, whether it was the, you know, you know, same-sex marriage campaign or what happened with the, you know, transgenderism campaign that is actually now, basically, it's quite extraordinary that, um, you know, our uh, bureaucrats are now have got difficulties to define what is a woman. <laughs> You know? I know that was actually one that was one of my points I was going to bring up but that's exactly yeah. right because yeah. because they've they've blurred the lines they they once they start saying something um, yeah. they can't back away from it because otherwise yeah, yeah, everything yeah. else that they've been saying unravels and yeah. uh, and, and the fact that you can't define what a woman is is just totally ridiculous it's, it's, at least our prime minister was belief. able to do that uh, it is yeah. Uh, but, you know, here you have people that have got medical degrees as long as your arm and they can't define yeah. what a woman is. Come on. It, <laughs> it just blows you away, doesn't it? Yeah. So you can see that the lack of engagement of the believers mm. within the political process by having the best of the believers, strong committed believers engaged to run for political office and for having strong believers who are committed to idea that God is the creator of everything. I'm going, when we, we come into, you, you started a big, massive, massive question here, Lida. So, you, you know, you, uh, so that, that God being the, the source of everything and then he determines our moral structure and moral system and then we go you know working uh, and on passing our laws based on that structure it doesn't come from secular humanism uh, it doesn't come from you know paganism it comes from the judeo-christian worldview and so if the christians had maintained that position in society 
by occupying the mountains of power, academia, you know, politics, you know, the uh, academia, I mean, by that education and the arts. Yes. Then, you know, our culture would be very different when the church retracted within its walls and started to say, well, we can just come here, sing Kumbaya and Hallelujah and feel good. We basically <laughs> decrease Christianity to the feel good moment we get yes. in a church yes. on Sunday. Yeah. And that is where our trouble started. Yes. Oh, well, we are going to uh, uh, sort of bring this all together in, uh, in this, the last part of our program. But uh, while people are absorbing that, we'll just have a listen to this song on Life FM. Well, here we are. This is our little run to the finish. And uh, we've only just got started, Samuel, as, uh, as <laughs> exactly. we were saying off air. It's just exactly. um, this, yeah. this is a big topic. But you're right. Um, we have sort of retreated inside the walls of our churches and i think the thing yep. is too that christians have become very complacent i remember yep. a, a previous pastor uh, that we had here in Benigo, and he uh, and he said you know we're all far too comfortable and uh, until we uh, until we get out of our comfort zone uh, we'll just sit there and wallow in our happy clappy situations and we won't really make a difference anywhere and uh, and i think that's exactly what's happened you know until the until a bit of persecution comes and, and until people understand really how bad it can be, um, yeah. they just sit back and think, oh, she'll be right. A bit of an Aussie saying, she'll be right. Yeah, she'll but be right. she isn't yeah. right because she is, <laughs> she, well, she can't be defined to start with. But uh, yeah, she, exactly. No, that's, that's a bigger problem. Yeah, yeah and she, she isn't right. And we're living now in a, in a, in a time when, when people are dictating to us what we can and can't do and the things that we can and can't do are, are quite ungodly. Um, yeah. The things that we can do, in fact, are the ungodly things and the things we can't do yeah. are the things that God wants us the to the do. The godly so one, yes, it's, exactly. It's completely upside down. Well, upside like down, yeah, yeah, upside down. Yeah. And so, you know, what, 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 what shall we say as we, we draw to a close? I, you know, I like to always, you know, when I'm talking about a topic like this, being able to narrow it down to practical steps, you know, um, <clears throat> pardon me, <clears throat> donc, uh, what is, I'll say donc, that's, that's French, sometimes my French and English get mixed up. Uh, what, I'm, what I'm saying here is to say that we started by saying, hey, remember politics is the God of, art, art of governing, and to govern you need a moral structure to be able to govern, and your moral structure depends on your theology, mm -hmm. other morality comes from you as a human being, that's secular humanism, or morality comes from society, <clears throat> which means majority decide. We know that's not correct. And so morality, uh, as posited by the Christian, Judeo-Christian worldview, comes from God, the supreme principle, the supreme being. Now, for whatever you think about God or you don't want him to exist, not, the point is not whether you want him to exist, the point whether he exists, whether you can actually justify morality without God. Now, I've done a lot, uh, <clears throat> pardon me, today my voice is a bit, uh, uh, a little bit, uh, uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Now, yeah. Uh, so I've done a lot of work, if you want to know about that in our programs, we've talked about, you know, how you could justify morality, but only by God. Without God, there'll be no morality, you know. Yeah. And so, 
you can't go around jumping up and down morals without being able to ground it because otherwise you will end up setting your own moral principles that like we've seen right now what's been happening. So in that sense, your moral principle comes from your theology and your philosophy. Your philosophy is your reflection upon your theology. Uh, your theology, by that I mean, you know, how do you think about where things came from, where life came from, where morals came from, and so on and so forth. Because of that, you can then ground certain moral principles. For example, that all human beings are inherently valuable. For example, that all human beings have got some rights that are not conferred to us by government or by politicians. Those those values and those rights are conferred to us by birth or, if you will, by our creator. Yes. So if you start there, then your legislations will reflect that. You, re you legislate based on, hey, human beings are valuable, full stop. Now, because they're valuable, they should be treated fairly, they should be treated with dignity, and so on and so forth. Without that, you will not have any way to justify why you should treat everybody else with dignity. Yeah. And so having said that, the Judeo world Christian worldview, as I was, I was reading, you know, a commentary on Tom Holland, the historian, uh, was to say that he had come to the realization paganistic beliefs or even the secular humanism beliefs didn't really give to the Western democratic system its sort of strength and, and the structure that it has. And so the Judeo-Christian worldview doesn't exist by itself. It exists within the belief of a people. Remember, Jesus himself started to teach this. His apostles took it, taught it to those who taught it, to those, until there were many people who believed it, who formed societies and who established laws based on what Jesus taught. So you're a Christian and you ought to believe and you ought to express and you ought to engage with the political system according to your belief, according to what you believe about what Jesus taught. Here's the first most revolutionary idea that Jesus started with, which the apostles took, which changed the world. Do you want me to tell you what it is? Yes, of course. The apostles started by saying, Jesus is Lord. That was the first ever creed of the church. Jesus is Lord. When we say it today, we are so messed up, we don't understand what they meant. When they say Jesus is Lord, it meant Caesar is not Lord. It meant no one else is Lord but Jesus. Right. This is why they got persecuted by the Romans. Because when Caesar demanded allegiance, they said, no, Jesus is Lord. They obeyed Caesar's, uh, Caesar and his laws as far as those laws agreed with Jesus. Yeah. Therefore, they were saying, Caesar, it's not you we actually obey. We obey Jesus. And what you say, if it agrees with Jesus, then we'll obey it. Yeah. You see? Yeah. And so because of that, and the preaching of Jesus is Lord, they didn't mean just simply, Lord, in my heart. You know, it's my, I, I find it extraordinary. People say, oh, your religion is your private matter, personal belief. What do you mean personal belief? Jesus is Lord in your heart, is Lord in your house, you know, husband and wife, Jesus is Lord there, is Lord over your wife and your kids in your home, family, Jesus is Lord, is Lord in your community, Jesus is Lord in the state, Jesus is Lord 
in the am i saying that the australia need to become a church no i'm saying that the guiding moral principles or the value of human beings what is marriage what is a male what is a female these things must be guided by the judeo-christian worldview that jesus taught yes and so, so within, then yeah, sorry hmm. within within the context then of of what we're facing at the moment uh, um, yeah. These are the sorts of things that we as Christians are looking for in those that are going to be in government and, and leading us. So That's it is exactly an obligation right. that we have that as we start to look at the candidates that are there that are going to govern over us, that we find out what they believe so that we can make an informed decision as to who yeah. we might vote for. And, and really exactly the right. basic principle is do these people um, share my view of of the worth of humanity and and all those other principles we're talking about, yeah. or do they not? And and yeah. really, if they don't, then they don't deserve your vote. That's what I think about it this way. It's not even whether they hold my view. The reason why I don't like to say it that way because mm -hmm. if it's my view, then somebody's got his got his yeah. views. Yeah. I'm saying, yeah. are these people holding to the views that were taught by Jesus as the only source? of the grounding of morality if jesus is who he said he was and you christians believe that jesus is who he said he was then what he taught matters you can't say well i believe that in my heart but when i go out there and meet somebody who's going to be making my uh, laws the laws by which i'm going to be governed within the state uh i don't i'm not going to m mind much well because when guess what when that person passes that law you will be bound to live by that law or you may be jailed exactly yeah. Now we've had some of the laws that have been passed in Victoria. You, you, you know, we talked about it, and I never shied about talking about the fact that they passed the laws that if somebody was actually struggling with, you know, gender dysphoria or sorry, with same-sex attraction, can't go and see a church minister to ask for help to be prayed for because if you do, you would have broken the, that law. Is just coming to force in Victoria. The yeah. person who passed that law, I can guarantee you, doesn't believe in what Jesus taught. No, that's right. And so in that sense, uh, when you have people who are going to be passing the laws that are going to govern your behavior within the state, and you don't want to see whether they believe system, you, you need to be able to check, question the candidate. If you are not the person who's running, I would have encouraged, first of all, committed believers to be skilled and to be able to run so that then they will be the person who already hold that view so strongly and then they can go and act it. But if you don't, you're not the one running, then you need to check with the candidate. If you feel even any slight relativism within them, mm. or look, you know, because what happens with politics is it's going to become a, 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 a game of votes, you know. You know, a politician is only, it's, you know, you know self, uh, you know, um, self-preservation, which means politicians listen only when they start to feel like they're going to lose their job at the next election. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So in, in other words, we have actually lost, sorry to say this, it's been one of the things that's really broken my heart. We've lost people who had some moral backbone. I do what is right because it is right. I don't do what is right just because yeah, a number of people who are going to vote for me happen to agree with it. Now, if what I'm going to do, I know it's right, but if I did it, I, I may lose some vote or I may be, and therefore I just need to make sure either I keep quiet or never talk about it or just in the quiet, I believe it, but I can't say it publicly because I need to solve my own political beckon. People like that 
do not deserve your vote. I'm sorry to say, if somebody can't stand for something, they will fall for anything. And if they're going to be making the laws of the country, you want to know that they have at least some moral courage. Well, the person you're going to be voting for. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, part of the problem too, though, isn't it, in our political system is that because yeah. it's party controlled, if the yeah. majority of the party votes on something a particular way, then the rest, then everybody within that party has to vote that way, regardless of whether or not their conscience tells them they're not allowed to. There are yeah. consequences if you cross the floor um, yeah. and yeah. vote with the other side on an issue. So that's, that's also exactly. a problem, isn't it, because people within our political system, uh, for whatever reason, why I'm not really quite sure. You might know better than me. But, um, you, you know, they are not allowed to vote on conscious. They have to vote on yeah. party lines. And that's exactly if right. If there's more people in the party that have got that other side of view, then, then no matter what your principles are, they will never come forward um, because you're always going to be in a, major in a minority. Yeah, and that's what I say. If you're going to go into politics, that's an advice to anybody who wants to go in there. If you're going to go to the politics and your allegiance is not to your moral sense, your conscience, you, if your allegiance is not to your conscience and you're just going to give your allegiance to a party, a political party, then you, you, you don't have the moral courage. Don't go in there. You just, it, it's like you would do a disservice to your community. And if you're a Christian, you need to know that it is a Christian is not is not uh, it, it does not have an, an allegiance to a political party. You don't. No. A Christian has got an allegiance to Jesus, who is Lord, who is the source of all you know the moral principles that the Christian hold dear. So that if your party or the party you are affiliated with uh, start to walk away against the moral principle that is set by which you not not only know you will live now but also it's what conditions your life to come, life eternal, mm -hmm. then you can say to that political party, hey, thank you, but no thanks. I have a conscience. I have, and, and this idea that you can't be in a minority or you're going to be, what is the thing with people not wanting to be persecuted because they're standing on a piece of ground that is their moral conviction? What has happened to the politicians of, of years, bygone years, who had some moral convictions? Yeah. Today it's all now about politics. Now, you believers are going to go to the polls. First of all, don't just, don't be this sort of apathetic believers who don't check nothing. They just simply, the day of the election, start to go, yeah, this name sounds right. Oh, I've seen this name before. No, no. Check what does the person you're going to give your vote believe? Do they believe? And do they articulate? Will they fight for the values that you stand for? Yeah. And if that's what you're going to do, you do a great service to our country. That is my 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 advice as as a preacher uh, well. uh, to to the believers or whoever <laughs> want to hear me. Yeah, well, I think that's great advice. Well, we may even uh, continue this topic next week, Samuel, but uh, we've run out of time today. It's uh, it, it is one of those topics that. Um, that has a lot of depths to it and uh, and certainly uh, does get people a little hot under the collar, which I think is fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for your insight again today, Samuel, and uh, well, we'll catch up with you next week. And may all our listeners be blessed as they uh, continue on for the rest of this week. It was a pleasure.